Exodus 21. Um, the children of Israel are gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai, probably two million of them, and God has given them two days to prepare to consecrate themselves and that he was going to appear. And so this great cloud and thunder and lightning and trumpets has descended on Mount Sinai and God is now speaking to this people that he will make into a nation. They have never been a nation. They have never had a a position that said, these are the boundaries of my country and therefore I am a nation. And yet God is preparing them to become a nation. And um, uh, we looked at this a week ago and we seen that they were terrified. And um, the only time, the time that I think about this is, in the Gospel of Matthew, there was a time when they were on a boat, uh, the disciples and the Lord Jesus Christ, and there was a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and the water was coming and crashing over the bow of the boat, and uh, of course Peter and John, being fishermen, were convinced that they were going to sink, and Jesus was up in the bow of the boat asleep. And, of course, Peter says, you know, we're going to die and you're up there taking a nap. And Jesus stood up in the boat and said, be still. And the literal translation is the water went flat. I mean, everything on the water just stopped instantaneously. And it says everybody in the boat was terrified. And I thought, you know, which would scare you more? A storm outside or God in your boat? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, when I think about that, I, I see the church today does not understand this. We do not embrace this. Uh, and we looked at this last week that we need, there needs to be a reverence to God. He ain't the good old boy. He ain't our buddy. I, I remember hearing a person tell me that, you know, that... Um, <laughs> They were, she, she was looking for God and uh, she dialed him up and they've been hooked up ever since. And I thought, really? <laughs> um, you, is that like a 1 800 number? Um, what is it, you know, what, what, what is that that you're doing? Is that video conferencing? How, how do you do that? Uh, and, and I think that today we kind of get into it um, a, a mindset with God that he's our buddy. Um, he is a friend. He's a friend of sinners. Absolutely. But I guarantee that each of us see him in the future. We're all going to do the same thing that the rest of the people have done. It's going to be wow. Okay. And there will be a terror that will overtake you if just for a moment, but you're going to get it. He's going to um, give you a rush. And the people of Israel are doing this. Uh, and they have decided that they would let Moses go and talk to him. Okay. <clears throat> Let's have a word of prayer. Then we'll pick it up in chapter 21. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your great faithfulness. Father, your mercies and grace are new every day. And yet, Lord, uh, when we falter, you're faithful. When we stumble, your grace picks us up. Your mercy 
uh, envelops us and your love is pouring over us and through us. And Father, I pray that even as we look at this text, that Father, we understand the majesty and glory that is you. And Father, I just pray, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts longing to be in your presence. In Christ's name, amen. This is one of the things that you miss when you see, uh, what's that guy's name that played Moses? I forgot his name. Charlton Heston. You just think you get two tablets, ten laws. Uh, no, it was a conversation. And it went on for a while. Chapter 21 is a con- what you call a combination of case law and direct command. And it is fascinating because, like I said, Israel's never been a nation. Please understand that when they went into Egypt, it was a family. Okay? Twelve brothers and sisters went into Egypt. Or, yeah, well, twelve brothers and a sister went into Egypt. Uh, they've been there for 400 years. Uh, the Egyptians got afraid of them because they were multiplying and everything they touched turned to gold and they prospered at. And so the Egyptians decided to make them slaves. And God set it up in a situation that it was impossible for Israel to get them, get themselves out. And so he made it in such a way that the only one who get credit for their release was him. Same thing with the Babylonian captivity you'll see uh, after the divided kingdom. All right. And now he has taken them out of Egypt. He has completely obliterated the Egyptian power. And now you've got about two million people going camping um, with their livestock and all the rest of it. And, and it's time for God to instruct them. And we looked at this last week in what is called the Decalogue that you know as the Decalogue. And first part of the Decalogue is I'm first. You will have no other gods before me. You'll have no idols before me or graven images before me. And I'm number one on the totem pole. And you see this carried out through the end of the age. Uh, Even Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And it was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And um, you look at the Decalogue, it's divided in two. First half is your vertical relationship with your creator. Second half is your um, horizontal relationship with those who were created. All right, but now we start looking at what I call an enlargement of the Decalogue. And this is fascinating, especially if you know anything about the history of the age, the ancient uh, civilizations that lived there. Now, verse 1 of 21. Now, these are the ordinances which you are to set before them. Okay, Moses is getting this now, and he's passing it on. If you buy a Hebrew slave, this is fascinating. From 2 to 11, it's laws dealing with slaves. All right, understand, the mindset of a slave is that it is a tool. It is your possession. You own it. And you can do with your tools whatever you want to do with your tools. That was the normal mentality of all, whether it was Philistine, whether it was Egyptian, whether it was Canaanite, Hittite, whether it was the Persians, whether it was the Assyrians, it didn't matter. All right. Slaves were tools, period. All right. And now God says, I need to show you how to judge and resolve civil disputes. 
in this nation that I will create. All right. And this is fascinating because there's a uniqueness in the Jewish laws that you will not find uh, in um, in law, to be honest with you. Um, And later you will see a a special ceremony um, that God calls the book of the covenant. And these precepts you will bow to and it becomes law. All right. But now we're looking at a law of the slaves. And this is fascinating because this is non-existent in civilization at the time. Look what he says. If you buy a Hebrew slave, verses 2 through 11 deal with this. You shall, he shall serve you for six years. On the seventh, he shall go as a free man without payment. Did you get that? If you have a Jewish slave, a, a Hebrew slave, and you buy him, you go, you go and you buy this slave, he will work for you for six years. On the seventh year, what happens? You set him free. You set him free. If he comes alone, he shall go out alone. If he is a husband of a wife, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to the master and he shall go out alone. It's what they call breeding stock. That sounds tacky, but that is exactly what it is. But if the the woman was a bought Hebrew slave after her six years was over, then she would be free to go. Okay, now watch what he does. If the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out as a free man. Okay, he's been given a, a, a wife. All right, by his master, he has now children with that wife that was given to him while he was a slave. But during the process of working for this man, he says, I like it here. Then the master shall bring him to God, and then they shall bring him to the doorpost, and the master shall pierce his ear with it all, and he shall serve him permanently. Okay, so there was a, a, a caveat that said at the seventh year, if the man liked where he was, he could stay working there. He could stay working there. Verse 7 says, if the man sells his daughter as a female slave and she does, <clears throat> she is not to go free as the male slaves do. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master who designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. You know what he just said there? He'll cover whatever sin was charged against her. Okay? This is amazing. Um, if, if there was a wrongful action by the master who owned this slave, he has to redeem it. He does not have the authority to sell her to a foreign people because of his unfairness to her. Okay, now listen, there's a ceremony that's going to come up in 24 that says you agree to this. It's it's like if you've ever seen our judicial system, uh, they'll have you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. Or so help, I don't know if we say God anymore. We may so help you Pinocchio or whatever. 
Um, but it, it used to be that you took an oath that your testimony would be true. All right. This was done before God. And they swear to God, this is the way we're going to do it. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. All right. You cannot bring a false accusation against the female slave. No reason. Can't do it. All right. And it's setting itself up that there will be a court system that will deal with these. If there is a false accusation, take it before a, a judge and a judge will rule on behalf of either the master or the slave. If he takes to himself another woman, he may not reduce her food, her clothing or her conjugal rights. If he will not do these three things for her, then she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. She is free if he doesn't take care of it. And this is fascinating because he's covering women slaves from having a wrongful master or wrongful actions of a master. And this is absolutely unheard of in ancient law. It's non-existent. It's non-existent. Slaves in ancient law are what? Tools. And if you've ever been on a job site, um, you know, there were certain tools that I took a, a, a little more that I, I kind of took a little more care of. But other tools I didn't. Uh, a screwdriver could be used for anything. I could use it for a chisel. I could use it for a pry bar. I could use it to throw at something if I felt like it. Um, but there were other, uh, I had uh, wire cutters and strippers that I took very good care of. All right. When I was a contractor, I had several different sizes of pry bars, a thing called a um, cat's paw uh, to pull out nails and stuff like that. And you treated them like trash, but you always treated your hammer with respect because the hammers have. And now this was a few years ago. Now everybody uses air compressors. But at the time when I was doing it, we used hammers. I know it's an interesting concept. Okay. But I, I share that with you because when you when I look at these understandings when i look at this as as slavery that's what it is you know what's amazing about this text god is not outlawing slavery but he does say you will treat them fairly that's fascinating to me that is absolutely fascinating to me because we're all this country well we're just scarred forever for slavery you know what i have never in my life had a slave Never have. And I'm not responsible and I don't feel guilty for people who have had slaves. And I don't want to pay retribution for those people who had slaves. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Okay? And, And if you look at it, there were laws even before the Civil War on how to do what? Treat your slaves. Did everybody do it? No. No. I mean, if you come down this hill right here, just before we come to get to Gilbert. Okay, they've got, do you know they got a school zone there? I don't know why, but they do. And I'm sitting there going, but the school is like two blocks over there. And you come down that, you have to do 20 mile an hour. Well, you're coming downhill after doing 55, and all of a sudden you got to do 20, and there's nothing around you. Anybody here break that law? 
<laughs> I ain't going to make it on tape and admit to it. Okay, but see, that that's the kind of stuff, you know, and everybody says, well, but these laws, listen, I'm not here to say whether they were obeyed or not. But I can tell you this. God set it up that you on the seventh year will lay your ground fallow. Okay, you will not harvest your ground. Okay, Israel didn't do that for seven years. And you know what God did? Made them slaves, took them off the ground. Okay, so you can sit and say, well, I'm going to be disobedient, but nobody's going to catch me. Uh, Truth of the matter is, as soon as you're disobedient, you're already caught. All right. All right. Now we move on to verse 12. 12, um, let's call it 12 through 15, goes back and is kind of gives a little more um, focus, a little more detail on honoring our parents. All right. And it's fascinating because God says, I created you, so I know what you're about. So I will deal from a physical and verbal abuse of the child. Okay. If the child verbally abuses the parents, you know what the penalty is? Did you hear what I said? Now, I'm not talking about physical. If the child verbally abuses the parent, do you know what the penalty is? Death. What? Death. You know what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's tough when you got mother and daughter sitting right beside. I didn't do it. I, I didn't do it. I, I didn't. <laughs> but mom, you didn't know this before I was. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> it's a capital offense. You know what I get from this? You know, everybody starts saying, oh, my kids, oh, my God. You know what I get is God takes this thing seriously. There's a seriousness here. He who strikes a man so that he dies will surely be put to death. Verse 12. But if he did not lie and wait for him, okay, it's not premeditated. Okay. If he did not lie and wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint you a place where you may flee. Okay. Now this is what they call a sanctuary city. All right, and you'll see this in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and that if I did something that caused the death of another person, then I can go to the sanctuary city and you can't touch me. As long as it's not premeditated. As long as it's not premeditated. If a man acts presumptuously towards his neighbor so as to kill him craftily, you are to take him from my altar that he may die. Take him out of sitting kill. Killing. Okay. Verse 15 says, He who strikes his father or mother, what happens? Did you see that? Now, look what he's saying. If you lie and wait for somebody and kill them, put them to death. If you do it accidentally, go to the sanctuary, we'll judge on it. And then right following that is if a child hits its parent. If a child hits its parent, it's on the same line as premeditated murder. Then that's what God says. Then he throws, it's funny because right in verse 16, he says, He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or he is found in his possession, shall what? Be put to death. You know what I see here? No prisons. No jails. 
Okay, And if you go there, I've, I've been to the Holy Land, they don't have them. You don't find them. They're not there. They have dug and dug and, and sifted and checked and looked. There are no prisons. Rome's had, Romans had prisons. The Babylonians had prisons. The Assyrians had prisons. The Egyptians had prisons. The Arabs had prisons. The Hebrews didn't have any prisons. Why? We don't fool around with it. Verse 17, look what verse 17 says. Look at what you're looking at. You're looking at death penalty, capital punishment offenses. Okay? He who curses his father or his mother, what happens? Be put to death. Be put to death. That's fascinating stuff. Don't you think that's fascinating? Sure would put a number of our government agency out of business, wouldn't it? <laughs> so you have this time of disrespect for the parents, whether it's physical or vi- verbal, and it's a capital offense. You know what? What was fascinating, you find very little in ancient um, Eastern law dealing with the um, slaves and what to do with slaves and the treatment of slaves. But you know what? A lot of the other countries um, considered it important, considered the relationship between the child and the parent important, but you won't find any of them want to put their kids to death. See, in most cultures, the line of the family is where? The children, a lot of it was agricultural and you had people to tend the flock and to tend the, uh, the cows and to, to bring in whatever the harvest was, uh, to, to can stuff and to store up food. And you had all this work that had to go on. So you wanted a lot of children. Okay. Not only that, you had an inheritance that you would pass on to your children. And so you want to keep the children. And yet the Hebrews understood that if the child was rebellious to the parents, who else will they be rebellious to? I mean, if the people who conceived you and birthed you, you do not respect, then who else are you going to disrespect? Everybody. You'll disrespect everybody. And that was the issue that was behind it. Okay, it's, it's funny. It's not funny. He he goes through a series beginning in verse eighteen. He goes through a series of things that you would look at and you would say, "Well, what is this?" But do you understand who's speaking this? The Creator. The Creator is speaking forth this. So. If he's created us, then he's kind of got to figure it out on what we are prone to. And especially the nation of Israel. They were supposed to be in the land of Canaan. But they sort of drifted away and they got complacent. Look what he does next. If men have a quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and he does not die, but he remains in bed. Serious injury. Okay. He's he's laid him up. Okay, if he gets up and walks around on his staff, then the one who struck him 
shall go unpunished, but he shall only pay for his loss of time and shall take care of him until he is completely healed. Why does that sound logical? Well, it's accountability, but it's also community. We are a nation, God is trying to tell them. You are responsible for, you are your brother's keeper. You know, I've had some travels in Russia, and one of the things that amazes me the most is their national identity. They are proud to be Russian. We are Russian. We are Slavic people. And they, it, it's something that they take great pride in. You go to Israel, they are Jewish people. And I mean, I, you, you can have, I was talking to a guy who was a bus driver. He, he called himself an Arab Israeli. I said, well, I love you guys were fighting. No, my nationality is Arab, but I identify with Israel. Okay, I've seen Palestinian Israelis. My national identity is Palestinian. That is who I am. And I am Israeli. You see it uh, with the influx of immigrants. I am a Russian Jew. All right. Here we're Heinz 57. And, and depending on what day, I, I may be an African-American, a Caucasian. I don't think people go around saying Caucasian-Americans, do they? No, I'm European American or Chinese American or something like that. But I, I see in Russia, I am Russian. And, and that just, that fascinated me. God is laying out for the nation Israel. You are Israel and you will take care of each other. And if you hit somebody with your fist or a rock and you lay them up and you don't kill them, However many days they lose work, you pay for them days. But you also take care of them until they're completely well. We don't do that in this country. I spill hot coffee on me. I want a billion dollars. And, I, I, you know, you just sit there and go, well, that sounds kind of silly. Duh. It does. It does. Okay. If he gets up and walks around outside on his staff, he who struck him shall go unpunished. If he didn't kill him, he didn't cripple him, go unpunished. Okay, now watch what happens now. Verses 20 through 27. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of... Anyway, just we'll just read it through together. And it's, it's just fascinating to think of two million Jews standing at the foot of a mountain hearing God speak. Okay, and then they'll have a ceremony and they'll be sprinkling of blood and says, you covenant to do this. And I do and I will. No worries. Why? Well, they were all freaked out. I mean, the clouds are and there's lightning and there's trumpets. And Moses, will you go up and talk to him in case he gets mad at us? And, you know, and I, and I think that's smart. But anyway, if a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod and he dies at his hand, he shall be punished. If, however, he survives a day or two, no vengeance shall be taken, for he is his property. Got it? You just, you just knock him out. Okay? If he kills him, there's a punishment. All right? If, then look what he says. If This is one of my favorite, because I, I know why this is said. This is a possibility. If, a, if men struggle with each other and they strike a woman with child, 
so that she has a miscarriage, yet there is no further injury. He shall surely be fined as a woman, as the woman's husbands may demand of him, and he shall pay what the judge decides. Okay, so the husband, uh, the, the, the father of this unborn child can take it to the judge and say, I want this much for that child. Okay. All right. You have to pay it and the judge decides it. All right. <clears throat> but if there is any further injury, then you shall support, you shall appoint as penalty what? Life for life. Now, read all of it because um, verse 24 is quoted in Matthew and we all like to throw it out occasionally. But I want to read all of it. Read all of it. Okay. A life for a life. An eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth. Hand for a hand. Foot for a foot. Burn for a burn. Wound for a wound. Bruise for a bruise. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female slave and destroys it, he shall let him go free on account of his eye. And if he knocks out the tooth of his male or female slave, he shall let him go free on account of the tooth. Okay, you know what he's getting at here? It ain't we all need to walk around and poke each other's eye out or, or anything like that. I watch people get into that. Read your context. What does your context say? You got two guys fighting. Okay? And the woman tries to come and break it up. And she's with child. All right? And she gets elbowed or something like that. Then they're not trying to beat up the pregnant woman. She just happens to get hurt. Okay? You do not inflame retribution. You know, um, it's funny, the, the Babylonians, I, I remember reading this, the battle Babylonians under a capital offense, okay, where somebody's life was on the line, whether it was murder or something like that, you know, they did a fascinating thing. They would have seven judges, okay, and you'd have two lawyers, and one would be defending uh, the, 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 the person who's been charged, and the other one would be there for the rights of the victim. This is Babylonian. Okay, if it was a capital offense, all right, capital offense, when they brought everybody into the courtroom or the chamber where they were going to judge it, closed all the windows, blew out all the candles, all the light, and it was done in complete darkness. Okay, because they wanted to take the emotion out of the courtroom and hear only the evidence. Okay, why? So you don't have the retribution. Think about it. When somebody wrongs you, do you want to wrong them equally or do you want to wrong them to the 26th power? I get a cup of hot coffee at McDonald's. I spill it on my lap. I sue McDonald's because their coffee is hot. Well, coffee's supposed to be hot. Do you, have you seen this? Okay, listen, there are things that we do out there that, yes, we need to take care of. All right, but he says, if you hit somebody by accident and you hurt them, what should you do? Pay for the time they're off and make sure they are healthy when you're done. That ain't hard. That's what the Lord teaches us. 
That's what the Lord, even if there, there, there's compensation, um, even if there's no injury, but there's still compensation. And so when you look at it, it says, well, you know, he did this and backed up into me and knocked my tooth out. I'm going to knock his tooth out. That is not what he's saying. That is not what he's saying. Well, he did this and I'm blind in one eye and I got to go. That is not what he's saying. He's saying the retribution, the punishment has to be equal to whatever the offense was. And, and look at what we do today. We are so silly, but we think we're so important. that you know, what, what do we have it now? Pain and suffering. You know, I, I need anguish out of this. You know, I suffered anguish. Did you see where that lawsuit and uh, the lady, I think it is, in New Orleans is suing the civil engineers for, I don't remember how many quadrillion dollars? What? Well, when the hurricane came in, it flooded my house. And you're responsible. Well, lady, if you bought a house below sea level next to the sea <laughs> thankfully you got indoor plumbing i don't i what but it's the highest lawsuit has ever been filed and i, I forget how many zeros it's got but it, our national our gross domestic product is only like a trillion dollars and this would be what 999 trillion dollars more and i'm sitting there going what you know what's really crazy about it there's a lawyer has taken her case <laughs> i just sit there go well there you go <laughs> punishment should match the crime okay um and, and yet i look at that and i see the welfare of the pregnant woman this pregnant woman is protected by it. But you know what else I see in there? God considered the fetus a person. And you're held accountable for that person's safety. That, that's amazing to me. That's absolutely amazing to me. Uh, what's his name in California? Killed his wife, an unborn baby? Yeah. Did you know that they charged him with two counts of murder? How come? I thought by law, if the head wasn't out, it wasn't a person. You know, the guy, the, the Marine in, in Camp Lejeune who killed the other Marine who was pregnant, they're wanting to file two counts of murder. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You guys ruled that if the head was not out, then it is not a person. Make up your mind. Because you know what they just got themselves into? One million a year, women are murdering children. Okay? And the doctors are accessory. That's what the Bible says. But the head wasn't out. Well, then you know what? Scott Peterson killed one person. Okay, but that ain't what the Lord says. The Lord even says that if the pregnant woman, that the child is considered a person. And you will pay for that person, the penalty for that person. But he also makes it so that there is not, uh, 
the punishment is not to exceed what is happening. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't understand it. That doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to make sense to me, but that's the way it, it is. When you are offended, when someone does something to cause you pain and suffering, how rational are you on the penalty? I want blood. I want my pound of flesh or whatever. And God says, yeah, I know that's what you want, but that ain't how we do it. Okay, look at verse 28. We'll move on. So there's a limit to the retributions. And now we start moving into some funny stuff. I think this is funny. Okay. If an oxen gores a man or a woman to death, the oxen shall be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox will go unpunished. I had a friend of mine had a, a big old bull. Uh, they call it, it was a limousine bull. Between his eyes, okay, between his eyes, okay, that, that, that flat part was that wide. Okay, every bit of that wide. Here's the biggest chunk of beef I've ever seen in my life. And it was as mellow as the day was long, but it had this funny habit. Okay. Now it was dehorned, but he liked to come walk along the fence and it would get right up besides the fence post and then it just lean. And I mean, it lean and it lean and you hear that fence post go snap and it back away from it and then walk on down to the next one and it just walk over and it just lean and it lean and it boom breaks off and then, and then hit knock down a big old section of it. Then it just go stand in the road. Just stand there, and and you come back and you hit it with a stick and all the rest of it. And you go back in the pen, but he's he was just basically telling us, if I want to go over there with the cows, I'm going to go over there with the cows. Please do not think that I am at your command. I am here, and I will do what I want to do. And and I remember we was so sick and tired of replacing fence posts. But anyway, uh, but he just break. And I mean, we put. You ever seen railroad ties? We put railroad ties in. Who cares? He just go up. I'll just lean a little more, lean and lean and snap or push it out of ground. You sit there and go, and you can sit and watch him. Throw rocks at him, get off of it. He just sit there and, and you listen. All right. If the oxen gores, okay, to death, kill the oxen, and the owner doesn't get to have a barbecue. All right. Twenty-eight nine. Now watch. God's got us figured out, doesn't he? If, however, an ox was previously in the habit of goring. Okay, you know what that means, right? You didn't get him the first time. In the habit of goring and its owner had been warned. Okay, that means that this thing has gored somebody, didn't kill him, but has done it. And the owner was sort of like, well, I'll just, you know, it's. That's how I'm going to have steaks here one of these days. Yet does not confine it, and it kills a man or a woman. Okay, so it's got a habit, and all of a sudden it kills somebody. The ox shall be stoned. And what? Owner put to death too. If you knew that it was a knucklehead, then you are as big a knucklehead as it is. Okay, now remember, it's in the case that it kills somebody. I mean, it just goes around, sticks a hole in somebody's leg or butt and doesn't kill them. Um, 
it's okay. He should pin it up. If it happens to kill somebody, then kill the owner and the oxen. Okay? If a ransom is demanded of him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is demanded of him. Okay? So if it killed my Uncle Bob, all right, and instead of me putting you to death, I want retribution, financial retribution, then you can spare your life. All right? Whether it gores a son or a daughter, it shall be done to him according to the same rule. Okay, so if it does an adult or a child, same rule. If the ox gores a male or female slave, the owner shall give his or her master 30 shekels of silver. Does that sound familiar? 30 shekels of silver. A shekel is four-tenths of an ounce. So 30 shekels is 12 ounces. 12 ounces. That's what they you can buy a Christ for. 12 ounces of silver is what Judas sold Jesus for. The price of a slave. An ox shall be stoned. Poor ox. If a man opens a pit, now this is the funny part, I love this part. If a man opens a pit, you know what that means, digs a ditch, opens a pit or digs a pit and does not cover it over and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit (laughs) shall make restitution and he shall give money to its owner and the dead animal shall become his. Hamburger. Okay, or donkey burgers. Okay, if one man's ox hurts another so that it dies, then he shall sell the live ox and divide its price equally and also shall divide the dead ox. (laughs) We're going to have a barbecue. (laughs) Or if it is known that the ox was previously in the habit of goring, yet its owner was not confined it, he shall surely pay the ox for the ox and the dead animal shall become his. So if he already knew that this animal had a habit of killing other animals. Now, I want you to think about this for a second because everybody looks at this and they go, what the heck has this got to do? Let me explain something to you. Israel has never been a nation. Started out with 12 tribes, 12 sons, okay, and a daughter. Okay, that's how it started. All right, they don't have no land, but God says, I will give you land. He says, but you know what? I need to tell you how to operate in that land. You need to have a government. You need to have some protection. You need to have some laws. And he gave some commands, some ordinances that we looked at last week. And now he's given case law. Case law says you do this. This is the consequence. Okay. He's already said you shall have no other gods before me. What was the penalty? We won't see that until Leviticus. Okay. But he didn't say there's a penalty. But he says, you do need to have your priorities. All right? And more will come, especially when you get into Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the literal term Deuteronomy means second law. And it is the law that Moses says, now when you go into the land, this is how you're going to operate. 
Okay, but he's given law here on how I am going to respond. You got to remember something here. They left with all their livestock. They left with a whole bunch of extra livestock that the Egyptians give them because please get out. So you have two million people conservatively with all of their livestock, horses or, or not horses, donkeys, and you'd have um, uh, oxen and you'd have goats and you'd have sheep and now they're getting on what do I do with this what do I do with this because he's setting them up to understand that you're going to be a nation because I will make you a nation I mean you know what's amazing about this text go check out revelations go check out revelations what's that thousand year kingdom This, this is what the kingdom is. That thousand year, that millennial rule. There's survivors that come out of seven years of tribulation. And they will come and there will be a government over it. And who will it be? Israel. And Israel already has the laws on how to handle it. I think that's fascinating. I think it's truly fascinating. And I think about two million people sitting at the foot of this great mountain with this thunder and clouds and lightning and trumpets blowing, going, okay, okay, okay. And, and I would too. And, and I would read this about the ox and the donkeys and all the rest of it and say, I think I'll go into leather work. <laughs> I don't want to raise sheep or things. That'll get me into trouble. Okay? It's that simple. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for that you lay a principle down. And Lord, I, I think that we struggle at times for um, trying to uh, retaliate beyond what is necessary. Lord, help us see that. Help us see that you love the fetus as you do a person. Help us see that you are concerned over your people, over their animals. And Father, you set before us an amazing thing. Lord, we love you. Father, may we love you with every breath you grace us until our faith becomes sight. And yet, Lord, when I read this, I, I sometimes get a, a giggle out of it. And yet, Lord, I rejoice at what you do. It is to your praise and to your glory. Father, you are an awesome God. And you know the hairs of our head. You know the days of our lives. Father, may we rejoice and rest in that assurance. To your glory and praise. Amen.